Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 54. On today's show, we'll be talking with James Carberry of Sweetfish Media. Our focus will be on the challenge of initiating and converting B2B relationships with your most desirable target prospects and how to make it happen. Good morning, Shy. Good morning, Craig. Hey, Shy. Got one for you. I know in your business, you're always targeting key businesses that you'd love to have a relationship with and work towards a common business cause. And Ever spent a number of hours brainstorming and trying to figure out how you're going to be able to get to that particular audience and particular business you have in mind? All the time. Yeah, I think it gets harder every day to figure out a unique and compelling way to make a first impression or to create a really good inroads to a relationship that you really want to have with someone that you know would be an ideal customer. And there's so much marketing noise out there. You know, they're starting to shut down a lot of the noise. So how are you going to break through? How are you really going to find out what's important to them and begin that initial relationship? I could tell you the way you're not going to do it. <laughs> you're not you're not going to do it, especially in the B2B world. And you're selling directly to other businesses. You're not going to do it by just sending them cold emails, blind emails. You could try doing it that way, but that's not really going to get you the inroads, the relationship that you want, unless you have a compelling reason for them to respond. So you're saying that the joke of the day email is just not quite enough anymore? Yeah, that's just not going to do it. <laughs> well, today's guest started a company with a new angle for achieving just this goal of of getting to the B2B business sector. Our guest today is James Carberry, founder of Sweetfish Media. James has brought innovation to the business-to-business sector for many years. His company has developed a successful process and service to help business clients develop a close relationship with their most desirable accounts, leading to mutually beneficial contracts between them. Good morning, James. How are you guys? Hey, it's great to talk to you, James. Tell us about how Sweetfish Media came about. Yeah, so I was actually doing a business development for a tech startup, and the tech startup was in the government space, so we were trying to sell an enterprise software solution into the government, and the sales cycles were, were painfully long, and so I'm doing a ton of research trying to figure out different techniques. How do we break into accounts? How do we get people to talk to us? How do we speed up sales cycles? And and so I started learning a lot about content marketing and figuring out the ins and outs and how do you do content marketing well? And, and long story short, a few months later, the investors ended up pulling their investment and they had to let me go from the startup just because the sales cycles were too long and they weren't seeing the results they needed. And so I was at a point where I had been dabbling my foot in the entrepreneur world for a while. Now I had had a startup called Worth Day that I had launched before. It was a software platform. And I knew that entrepreneurship was for me, but this was really the point where I said, you know what, I, I've got to do something. And I've just learned a ton about content marketing. I know that it works, but I know a lot of businesses struggle with executing it. And so we actually started Sweetfish as a kind of done for you content marketing 
agency. And so we would do content interviews with business owners, with marketing managers. We would record their insight, their wisdom in their industry. And then our writing team would turn that audio interview basically into a blog post. And so that's really the first year of Sweetfish was doing that. We were really streamlining our process for how do we write great content in a streamlined manner. We picked up quite a few clients over the course of that year, but the price points were low. And so I didn't have the margin in it that I knew I needed to have. And so doing a lot of thinking through like, how do we fix this problem? And it was probably 10 months into the business, realized that a podcast was actually a really effective tool for us internally. We were going after a a new market. And in trying to go after that market, I thought, man, what if I started a niche podcast and invited these ideal clients in this particular market that I was going after to be a guest on the show? And that's how I would start the relationship and eventually try to sell them on our service if I thought it was a fit. And so we launched that podcast and our cold email campaign went from getting like 12.5% reply rates to 80% reply rates over the course of that kind of experiment. And then our service ended up not being a fit for the particular market that I was going after. But because of that, I thought, man, if asking someone to be a guest on your podcast can get you 80% reply rates to your cold emails, then we might be onto something here. And so that's when we shifted the model into what we're doing now, which is producing podcasts for B2B companies so that they can use it as a tool to break into their big accounts. And so we do a lot of account-based sales and marketing strategy in our blog and in our podcast. And we talk a lot about account-based everything because we really believe in B2B selling, that's the way to go is, is focusing on the account and figuring out how do you reverse engineer your way into that account. That's quite a story. And what have you found to be your best client? Yeah. So we started in January and there's been several clients that we've seen some really incredible results with. One in particular is a social media shop in Southern California. To call them a social media shop is probably underselling what they do. They do a ton of marketing stuff. They, they kind of brand themselves as your outsourced CMO. And so they do everything from email marketing to Facebook ads to running your retargeting campaigns. They do it all. And uh, for them, they're trying to connect with e-commerce shops, with CMOs. We basically targeted a lot of folks that are in the space and actually speaking at different conferences in the marketing space. And so with them, I think we just landed an interview with someone from eBay for them, which would be a massive account for them to break into from a partnership perspective or doing business with them directly. And so that's one kind of recent success story that we've had. I think they actually just recorded that interview with the executive from eBay. And so that's a really cool story. We've done some other, there's a woman that does consulting for senior living healthcare facilities. So for her, we launched a show called the Senior Living CEO Show, because that's exactly who she was trying to connect with, with CEOs of these senior living healthcare facilities. And so I think within the first two or three episodes, she had already landed a deal with a senior living healthcare facility in Texas. She reached out, asked them to be on the show, and and we managed the replies for our clients. So we saw that their reply back was, oh yeah, I'd love to be a guest. And I was checking out your site and it, we just hired a, a bunch of salespeople. We need you to come in and train our sales team. What can we do to get you to go about doing that? And so seeing those kind of results is, is really, really fun to see that this actually works. It is an interesting strategy, and it is something fresh and new, much like podcasting is. You mentioned account-based marketing strategy. When you're looking at a new client, how does that flow? How do you utilize that methodology in onboarding a new client? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Craig. So there's a lot of folks talking about account-based marketing, account-based sales, and it's not anything new. I mean, people have been doing it forever, but for whatever reason, the terminology is getting really hot right now. And basically, the crux of an account-based strategy is to look at it from a higher level. So as opposed to a lead-based strategy where you're looking at the individual, an account-based strategy, you're looking at the company. And so for me as Sweetfish, if I want to start producing a podcast for or Salesforce. I look at Salesforce as an account and I say, okay, who within Salesforce do I want to connect with? It's a big company. There's a lot of players in that world that could eventually pull the trigger on our service. So do I look at the VP of sales? Do I look at the CMO? Do I look at the VP of marketing? Maybe the director of sales enablement. Um, and, And so I kind of map out who at Salesforce do I need to connect with? And then it's a matter of systematically going down that list and trying to reach out to all of the different decision makers if you need to. I mean, sometimes we've found with the podcast strategy, you don't have to ask too many people to be on your show uh, before you get somebody to say yes. And so from an onboarding standpoint uh, with our clients, that's one of the first things that we like to do is map out, okay, who are your targeted accounts? Who are 20 to 25 accounts that you would love to be doing business with, love to be working with? We work together with them to identify who those companies are. We work exclusively with B2B companies, so businesses that are selling to other businesses. And we say, okay, if there were 20 to 25 dream clients that you would love to be working with, who would those be? So they would list out, they'd say, you know, Google, Salesforce, the list goes on. A lot of times there are companies that are much smaller than that. And then we say, okay, who are the decision makers that, that typically pull the trigger on buying your service? And so they would give us the, you know, four to five different roles within an organization that typically pull the trigger. And then we say, okay, we're going to look at these 20 to 25 accounts. We're going to identify who the decision makers in those specific roles are. We're going to go get contact information for them. And then we're going to start reaching out to those folks on your behalf, asking them to be on the podcast that we produce. So from an onboarding perspective, that's kind of the first thing that we do. And and it's really at the base of an account-based marketing strategy that I really identifying who are those accounts that you're going after. You know, James, this strategy reminds me of the idea of customer empathy. And it makes me think of how Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos likes to include the empty chair, right? We always hear about the empty chair at the management meetings to represent the voice of the customer. And what you've really done is sort of shifted the conversation. You've now literally put the seller shoulder to shoulder with the customer to say, hey, how can I help you get that thing that you want? And it really just invites a different conversation. Exactly. I think whenever you go to someone in a way that says, hey, let's collaborate and create some great content for our industry together, um, instead of, hey, I want to sell you something, it puts you at the table. And then from there, I mean, obviously, there are a lot of ways to cultivate and really develop that relationship. But the the hardest part is just getting in the door. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And and you're not going to know a whole lot of people if everybody you're emailing, you're just trying to sell to from the start. So this has really become a vehicle for their sales funnel. And, you know, you really talked about the focus on understanding first who that ideal customer is. And the way that you walk through that is extraordinary. I think that makes so much sense. And then what happens when they come in and you get them set up and they start working through this process, where do you find that people have the most struggle? Yeah, so we've been learning so much about the different pain points. And one particular one that I found that I I wasn't really expecting because I've been hosting podcasts for a while. And 
But what I found is a lot of our clients, because they actually host the show, we're just doing all the back-end production, all the emailing and, and all the time-consuming stuff. They're actually in the driver's seat on the interview with their client because that's where the relationship happens or with their potential client. And so we've had a lot of clients that have been uncomfortable in that setting. And so there's been a lot of coaching from our end on, hey, here's a framework to use. You guys do this really well, just as we were talking before we started recording, walking me through the framework which you guys wanted to cover. And so we spend a lot of time working with our clients on that can actually be pretty fun whenever you're just connecting with someone on a human to human level and kind of getting out of your head and thinking that, you know, it has to be perfect because it really doesn't. And so that's what I would say is the biggest struggle. That's a great question. And what challenges do you think that B2B businesses have that are unique? Man, so we live in the B2B space. And so the problems that I keep experiencing, I get a lot of sales emails in my inbox and people trying to sell me things. And it's very easy to see that it is canned messaging that's automated. It's not personalized to me. They don't actually know me or my business. They've somehow scraped my email from some machine or or some tool that they use. And they've sent me this generic message that's really all about them. And they kind of disguise it as, look at how we can help you, but it's really all about them. And so I think that's the biggest struggle when you're selling B2B because it stands for business to business, but you're really selling to humans. And I think you've got to figure out how do I reverse engineer creating a relationship with the human at that company that I'm trying to ultimately win. That's the big struggle. People don't personalize. People don't look at it like you're actually trying to connect with another human. They just look at it like we're going to spray and pray and send emails to a thousand people and maybe two of them will respond and we'll count it a success. And I just think that's a bit of hogwash. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you talk about the human element and we're also just overwhelmed in the technology revolution in this <laughs> information age that we're in. And yep. it, you remind me of one of my favorite books on selling, which is To Sell as Human by Dan Pink. And Daniel really talks about the human element in the sales process and how critical it is. And and we completely forget about the fact that we are all humans and subjects to certain behaviors. And part of that behavior is if we just get some BS email that we know is a template, that turns us off immediately. Yep, exactly. But I want to ask you this, though. A lot of the focus in sales seems to be this push around build your email list, build your email list, build your email list. And when you're not doing that, build your email list. But but it sounds to me like that's just one step in the process, because if you're just using that to send out the wrong information to whoever and you're just shotgunning a bunch of people that you don't even know if they're ideal customer or not, how is that really serving you? Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting. I spent a lot of the first year of our business trying to grow our email list, grow our email list, grow our email list. And and. I I was doing a lot of one-to-many emails. So, you know, we collected a lot of emails and I was sending out these messages and and it was baffling to me. I mean, you get a two or three percent of the people that you blasted an email out to reply to you. And I was actually very intentional about trying to evoke a response. But people know at the end of the day that, oh, James is sending this to, you know, thousands of other people and he doesn't really care about my response. So people don't respond. And so in a B2B context, though, I think it's more important to actually identify like who are 
are ideal clients. They don't have to have signed up on my email list for me to know that they're an ideal client. I go out and I chase them. I think there's this movement around creating entire teams within sales organizations. It's called sales development, business development representatives. There's different terms for it. But having entire organizations within your sales org that are focused on going out and finding those ideal clients. And then spending that time to craft custom messaging that actually gets your foot in the door with those specific people at those organizations. And it really depends on your business model and, and who you're selling to. But for us, we're going after you know mid-market companies that can afford a decent chunk of change for our service. And what I found is the folks that I was attracting to our email list were just not that person. They were either the, the very small business owner who, or maybe the entrepreneur who had the idea. And so, that informed a lot of the type of content that we were creating. Do we need to shift the type of content we're creating to attract a higher level executive at a B2B company? So we did that a little bit. But still, I've just had much better luck going out and finding people that I think would be ideal clients for us as opposed to waiting on them to sign up for our email list. James, we've really talked a lot about this account-based marketing strategy, and I know that you have three sort of high-level elements of how this works. Can you walk us through that process a little bit? Yes, I sure can. So really, there's three core elements of this strategy that I'd love for your listeners to be able to understand if they really want to use a podcast as a means to connecting with their ideal clients. And the first piece of it is around branding your show. I told a couple stories earlier of clients that we work with, and you can name your show in a variety of ways. We've got one client that names the show after their brand. And so it's their company name, Radio. So you can certainly do that. We've also seen a lot of success with folks branding their show around different roles that they're trying to reach. We've had a client that is trying to connect with public relations agencies, specifically executives at PR firms. And so for them, we branded the show the PR executive. And we've got another client that's going after local media companies and folks that are in executive positions there. So we branded the show the local media executive. And so the idea being you want to brand the show in such a way that makes the person that you're reaching out to understand like, hey, this person actually knows who I am and that I would actually be able to add or contribute some good content to this show. And so the more specific you can be, you know, there's a fine line to walk between specificity and being too specific that you don't want to not be able to invite certain people on your show that could be ideal clients for you. So we branded our show, our podcast is called B2B Growth, and that positions us to reach out to both sales and marketing executives. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. But I think being conscious of how you brand the show and making sure that it's positioning you to communicate to your ideal clients like, hey, you would be able to actually add a lot of value to this. So that's the first piece of it is the branding element of it. The second piece, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's really around outreach and follow-up. So you've built a really great brand for your show. The logo's clean. The name of the show is great. And now you've got to actually reach out to folks to get on your show. And I think so many people, their gut instinct tells them that they have to vomit kind of in that first email everything about their show and who they are and their background and, and almost have to explain themselves or like, 
puff themselves up to make this person think, oh, I should want to be on this show. But we found the reverse to be true, that the quicker that you can make that initial email, the shorter, the more concise you can make it, the better. And so a lot of our initial emails for our show and for our clients are two sentence emails. It's, you know, hey, so-and-so, I was checking you out on LinkedIn and I think you'd be a great guest on our podcast. And then you link to the podcast and they can click the link and they can see all about your show and your past guests and what the show is all about. You don't need to ramble on for four paragraphs about what your show is. Just link to it and then ask a very simple, very easy question. And so we just say, any interest, question mark. And what that does, because everybody's reading from their phones, you want to make it as easy for them to respond as possible. And so once you've got that down, it's really figuring out, okay, how much do I want to follow up? For us, we like doing two additional follow-ups after that initial email. So we'll ask someone to be on the show. Three days later, if they don't respond, we'll ping them again. Hey, so-and-so, just wanted to circle back with you. Would you be up for being a guest on our podcast? And then we link to the podcast again. And I mean, we're getting 60 to 80% reply rates on these campaigns asking people to be on our show just because I think we've really nailed the initial email and then the follow-up cadence to that. So that's the second piece of it is outreach and follow-up. So the third piece is really conversion. So how do you actually convert the folks that you're getting on your show, these new relationships that you're creating by asking folks to be a guest on your show? How do you convert them into being a client of your business? And so you want to be really delicate here and very conscious of your messaging and how you make that transition because you don't want people to feel like it was a bait and switch. And so what we do is we have a very specific cadence that we follow. So when someone comes on our show, we make sure that after the interview, they know, hey, your episode's going to go live in 45 days or whenever it's going to go live, we're going to shoot you an email, send you links. And so they have a positive impression of you. You haven't asked them for anything on the actual interview and you've told them, you've kind of set the expectation of when they're going to hear from you again. And so whenever that episode goes live, we make sure that we email every single guest, let them know, hey, here's the link on our website. Here's the link on iTunes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Still no ask in that email. A week later or two weeks later, depending on where our content team is at, we notify that guest that the post has been repurposed. And so I'm a contributor for Huffington Post and Business Insider and Social Media Examiner and a lot of different blogs. But even if you're not a contributor for other blogs, you can turn these audio episodes into great blog content, post it on your blog. And then that gives you another reason to actually reach out to the guest and let them know, you know, it's, it's just another touch point. And so we've integrated that into it as well for our clients. We actually send a gift. I didn't mention this earlier, but we send a book that we either related to the industry that the show is about or the role that they're going after. And we actually send that book to each guest and just say, Hey, thanks for being on the show. So there's all these different touch points between actually being on the show and then this, what we call a sales initiation email. So episode goes live. You've already sent them the book at this point. A week later, you let them know that it's been repurposed into a blog post. And then two to three weeks after that episode goes live is when you make this transition. So to kind of give you an example of how we like to do this, we've got a client that builds e-commerce websites for e-commerce companies and their transition. Uh, it goes something like this. It says, hey, so-and-so, I've been checking out your brand since we had you on the show, and I've noticed some things that you can tweak on your homepage that I think would increase your conversion. Do you mind if we jump on the phone for a few minutes and talk about it? Because this person's already had an experience with you, they've talked to you for 15 minutes on the show, they, you've gone back and forth with several emails, they know, like, and trust you already. So you've overcome that hurdle, and now you're trying to add value to them. Hey, I, I noticed some tweaks. Now, 
out, the good part about that client is they actually know what they're doing. They're really good at what they do. And so pretty much any website, they can look at it and they can spot different conversion tweaks that you can make on a homepage. And so it's being able to add real value. And once you're on that call, when you're showing them how they can make those adjustments, it then becomes really easy to transition into, hey, our team can actually implement this for you and we can you know, actually rebuild your entire site and take over the maintenance for it. And so it's going to differ depending on your business, but you always want to be conscious of how can I legitimately add value? And if that's your heart and if that's really your focus and what you're doing, people are going to be able to see that. And so a lot of folks that we're talking to, trying to sell them on this strategy and, and how we can execute it for them, that's the biggest thing that they wonder about is, is this going to be bait and switch? And I think it definitely can be. I mean, this strategy in the hands of the wrong person could be very detrimental to a brand because it can very easily be looked at as a bait and switch thing if you don't handle it with care. But I think if you're careful with your messaging, if you're genuinely trying to add value to every guest that you bring on the show, then I think you're going to win with it. James, thanks so much for that insight and summary. Really appreciate you joining us on the show today. I wonder, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, so if this is something that any of your listeners are interested in, we've actually put together a more exhaustive list and it really outlines our 12-step process for how we added $1.2 million to our sales pipeline in less than 90 days. And so it's very thorough, but also pretty easy to read as well. So you guys can go to sweetfishmedia.com. You'll see it in the bottom right-hand corner of the site. On any page on the website, you'll see it. It's right there. It'll just cost you an email address and download it and see if the strategy can possibly work for you. But we outline everything you need and different tools that you can use to execute the strategy if you're at a place where you want to do it in-house and you don't want to use a firm like ours. So yeah, folks can check us out there and obviously that'll put them on our website and they can you know, learn all about us, check out our podcast and see the blog stuff that we're doing and, and hopefully we can add some value to them. That sounds great. And thanks again for joining us on Business Owners Radio today. Thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. We've been speaking with James Carberry, founder of Sweetfish Media. You can learn more about James and Sweetfish Media in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. And after you've listened to the latest episode and waiting for the Monday release of the next, you might consider doing what Shy and I do while driving our cars or hitting the trails. Listen to the latest business books on Audible. It's a great way to manage your time while continually adding to your growing business knowledge. Business Owners Radio and Audible.com have teamed up to offer you a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. Choose from over 180,000 titles for your mobile device. Just look for the Audible 30-day free trial logo in the show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.